Mark Sanchez again with Fourth and Forever. Here comes part two of Chris Long, where you get an inside look at Chris Long, not just the football player, but the philanthropist and all the work he's done around the entire world to help people and better their lives. Also, learn about Chris Long, the analyst, the sports analyst, and how he breaks down the NFC West. Get ready. We can't do an interview with you without talking about your philanthropy, your uh, foundation started in 2015. Uh, Really, the initiatives are clean water, you know, military appreciation and youth yeah. education. The Water Boys Initiative has been incredible, and they did a great piece on it when you won the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. Uh, but you went to go climb Mount Kilimanjaro for people who didn't know with professional athletes and military vets. Then you end up seeing this problem, identifying a problem, recognizing you can help this problem, and you put your thoughts into action. You've raised over $3 million, provided clean drinking water to over 380,000 people in Eastern Africa. And your goal, I think, was to get it to a million people worldwide. Yeah. Uh, you know, you donate your entire 27 NFL salary to organizations to promote educational equality um, in the three cities that you played in, St. Louis, Boston, and Philadelphia. So what drives you to dedicate so much of your um, time and resources uh, and, and what's been the most rewarding out of that? I'd say for sure, just um, I don't sit still well. Um, and I also know that we have a great opportunity. So, you know, and I, I know that because it's gone, you know, like I could raise money the rest of my life and I plan on water boys being, extremely pr prolific. And I hope we do reach that goal of a million people served. We're at 400,000 mm -hmm. right now. So I'm really excited about that. But like, for instance, that next 600,000 would be really hard if I was going in alone because my platform has shrunk since I stopped playing. That's a reality. Sure. And that platform is so powerful because of the fans. Um, and the fans, like when it comes to water boys, were the ones that, you know, we made most of our, we accrued most of our donations through smaller gifts. I mean, it's an every man effort, you know, with what we've done. I mean, sure, we have people who will buy a whole well, which is going to, you know, serve five to 7,000 people in sub-Saharan Africa with the gift of clean water who don't have any of it. They have dirty water that they're walking, women and girls are walking miles and miles on these treacherous treks to gather. Um, and kids are dying of, of waterborne illness. It is totally normal for you know somebody to die from diarrhea in that region. Um, it's just because you don't have anything you know left uh, in 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 your system. I mean, th these illnesses just sweep through, and without the the healthcare that we have, as imperfect as as it is, um, it's a scary thought. And you know, going over there, taking those trips, seeing what I saw, you know, led us to take some action, but. I can't the next 10 years make as much of a difference as I have the last 10 because my platform shrunk. So what I do, and I knew this going in is people don't give a shit who Chris Long is in most places. Like, okay, in St. Louis, yeah, sure. Philly, yeah, sure. New England, they kind of remember me. Like, oh, that guy was here for a year. Like, you need people around the league to help you. So I opened up Water Boys to be like kind of a, a, uh, a community thing where I get reps in each city as many as I can. We've had over 30 guys you know, guys from Russell Wilson to Kyle Long to Connor Barwin, Johnny Hecker that have gotten involved. But I also had to pass the torch to to somebody as I retired. And that was Miles Garrett, who's really passionate about the stuff. And I think he's going to help carry us to the next uh, 600K. And 
as far as the education stuff's concerned, I always want to balance the work we do internationally with, with our educational work. Everybody knows about the, the pledge 10 stuff we've done. Um, but you know, we're going to continue to stay involved in our school systems. And we also just launched a domestic water effort in the last year called hometown H2O. We, we engage veterans through conquering Kili, which you mentioned, which is awesome. We climb Kilimanjaro every year, 20,000 foot mountain, single amputees. Um, you know, we've uh, a blind dude named Ivan has summited with us. Shout out to Ivan. Like, wow. And these vets are a really valuable part of what we do. But as far as the domestic work is concerned, we're also working on Navajo Nation because, you know, if you're an indigenous person in the United States, you have an 18 time, you have 18 times the chance of not having access to clean water. Um, wow. That's insane. Uh, and right now uh, on Navajo Nation, like COVID is just hitting it hard. So, you know, this was a time where we said, okay, if we're going to work domestically to balance out our, our work in East Africa with my active captain, Miles Garrett, with the number of players we've employed to be a part of this thing, um, we also have to work domestically because I get it. People are like, what are we doing at home? Even though we don't have the problems that other people have around the world, I want to make sure that our foundation is helping abroad and at home. And we're doing that now. So I'm really happy about that. People can check it out at waterboys.org and just kind of keep an eye on that. That was that's awesome. I'm glad you plugged that because um, we'll put that in all the social stuff. Yeah, it's we all do. Good. But then I saw the speech um, for the Walter Payton Man of the Year. Did you write that? I'm not questioning your. Yeah, I did. Ability, I did. I wrote it the night before. It was incredible. I just thank you. Incredible. I don't do. I don't do like. I don't do. I hate when people talk in my voice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if somebody wrote something for you and put Mark Sanchez at the bottom, like you might be like, well, sure, sure, sure. It's a little disingenuous. I get it. And, and, um, it was just so well said. It was so humbly orated. You feel weird. And dude. You feel fucking weird being selected and being told that you're the man of the year in the NFL, dude. Like you and I know there are better dudes than you and me in the NFL. Okay. And I'm the, like, like I might be the most productive, Okay, so you want to talk about productive off the field? You, yep, we've done a shitload of good work. But, you know, when it comes to, I was uncomfortable standing up on that stage with all those great men who I know are really great men. <laughs> and also, like, also better, like, really good players. There's some really good players up there. And I was no slouch in the NFL, but there's some Hall of Famers up there. So you're just humbled to be in their presence. And also, it's kind of one of those things now that some people think you is like this community service guy. And, like, you almost didn't play football. Right, and my thing right. is, like, okay, I'm just as proud of my football accomplishments as I am as the off-the-field stuff. And I just didn't want to be seen as that community service guy only. But it was great, yeah. man. And Walter Payton, Man of the Year, they, they did a great job with that stuff. The Payton family is amazing. You know, the, the exposure it's given the programs we have. And then to watch and mm -hmm. present it to Calais Campbell the next year. It's a great brotherhood to be a part of. Don't get me wrong. It just makes me sometimes a little bit uncomfortable because it seems disingenuous to say that I'm the best guy in the league. And I, I can, uh, you know what I mean. Uh, empathize with that. Yes, and and I I understand where you're coming from, but I think that's why it's somebody like you is well, that you're not looking for that. And um, the way you deflected a lot of that praise to the people who helped you. Um, to the other players up there and, you know, really accepted the award for everybody. 
it was uh, it was very powerful and it it jumped out through the TV. So I hope you understand well, that. Well, thanks. That but is it's like really, a really it cool. is like a it kind of can be like a beauty pageant where everybody's <laughs> right, walking right. around the whole week and they're like, yeah, you know if who won? Do you know like right? And, and I know some guys like. My my foundation was at a place where we were doing prolific work and getting a lot of funding. I know some guys could really use that award, like somebody like Kyle Rudolph, who's done great work. Are you kidding me? Never won that yeah. award. You know what I mean? So there's so many good guys to go around. You almost feel bad winning it. You know what I mean? So great dudes in our I league. Get it, I get it. Yeah, something you've talked about, and a lot of players now with this new CBA won't have to worry about. But you know, you look at marijuana in the NFL, whether it's CBD mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. whatever it is. How did you get around the testing protocol before? And what do you think, whether it's medical marijuana versus painkillers? I think I think I know where you stand on that. T- talk about that in, in the NFL and, and moving forward with the new CBA. Well, I did this revolutionary thing, this trick uh, in order to pass drug tests. And I'll tell you about it at the end of this infomercial. Uh, you know how they do that? They, they drag you out yes. like, for like, a yeah. whole six Just minutes. Just subscribe. Hit subscribe and then I'll tell you. I need to tell you what I've been describing for six minutes. So here's my trick. You guys ready for this? I stopped fucking smoking three weeks before the test. Yeah. It's that simple. That I mean, it. like, yeah. And that's the thing is like. I don't think people it, understand, though, that it's a one test thing. It's either in OTAs. If you don't get tested in OTAs. Yeah. It's the first two weeks of training camp. So you got to stop. Let's say OTAs start April you know, 10th. So count out 21 days before that. You stop smoking, right? Either you get it in OTAs or not, and you have to keep yeah. keep clean till training camp, right? I mean, that's Yeah. That's and and they, essentially. Always test, they always tested the D-lineman last because they wanted to make us suffer because they knew that, like, we really could use it. <laughs> uh but like literally, I'll say a few things about this because I have spoken about it. The first time I spoke about it, I was on Dan Patrick's show, and mm-hmm. I'm I don't really have a filter filter. Like there's some things that I know, like you know, maybe I shouldn't go down this road or whatever. But like as far as speaking for myself, I don't have a filter, and that's not. And sometimes that comes across when somebody reads a headline because I do I'm honest, and that stands out in a group of players sometimes. People are like, oh, he just likes to make a buzz or whatever. Like, no, I just don't feel like biting my tongue, you know, um, on issues. And so Dan asked me something about the testing. And I was like, yeah, I've smoked my fair share of marijuana. But I also thought that everybody knew that. Like, I figured that anybody who followed me on Twitter could follow my tweets past 9 p.m. You know, know, (laughs) like follow the, you know, like, uh, you know, be a detective here. Um, the subject matter, some of the music I might like, the things that you stereotype, you know. Anyways, because um, I've advocated like relentlessly for two years with the Players Coalition about, you know, uh, marijuana reform and drug reform and that sort of thing. Anyways, the, the blowback I got was crazy because you got a bunch of people that were calling it like the devil's lettuce, you know, the devil's lettuce crowd that yeah. disapproves of what you're doing. And then you also have the stoner community, which now, and fans who wants you to go be like, like live in a Grateful Dead tailgate van, like for the rest of your life. Like that's how <laughs> now I live because I smoke weed every day. I live a normal life. Right. My life, marijuana is part of my life. It's not my life. And people made the mistake of being like, even fans that were trying to show approval and like joke with me, they were like, you know, anything I tweeted for like three months was, 
are you going to roll a doobie before you do that? I hear you, man. That's what I, I'm like, dude, it's not, a, everything is not about weed now. So there was a frustration in sharing that, but I'm also glad that like my job is to, to be honest, but also if I'm looking at it responsibly, I'm a Walter Payton man of the year. People think I'm generally honest. They might disagree with some of my views, but I've been productive. I run a, a, a charity that's very successful. I played 11 years in the league. I never had issues. I have a family, I'm a father, and I smoke marijuana every day. Just like millions of suburban moms drink three, four glasses of white wine because they Googled it and said that it's healthy for your heart. I don't think it's the white wine and I don't think it's four glasses, but like, it's my thing. And, and it's not, it doesn't dominate my life. It helps me sleep. That's why, that's why I started smoking. I mean, well, I started smoking because somebody had some weed and I was in college, but like, I started smoking because I just wanted to try it. But the reason smoking became a big part of my routine, not my life, but like, is because I have always been a bit of an insomniac. I need to slow my mind down. I need to ease my anxiety and especially at night. And um, that doesn't make me weird or broken or something like, but just this, this one plant can cure that for me. And around the time that people started to be able to get good weed, from like dispensaries and no longer were you just rolling the dice on what kind of bud you were getting. And it was just safer and like more predictable. It became more than just a casual thing for me. So then it became like, okay, I got this strain that will get me to sleep. I got this strain that'll, you know, ease a little bit of social anxiety or that sort of thing. And, uh, and yeah, man, it's, it was a life changer for me to make that. And it's been as long as I can remember in the league, but you just don't don't smoke before the test. I mean, it's that simple. Now it's so easy with the new CBA. Yeah. Um, yeah. So great. like now with the new CBA, like players, I saw Patrick Mahomes. He's got a Coors Light commercial. Great. And I was like, whoa, where did that come from? Yeah. But usually you used to not be able to promote any kind of alcohol. Yeah. Or anything like that. And now, I mean, can you imagine how much money you could have made in St. Louis? Oh my God! So much like, Anheuser Busch pushing yeah so then i'm saying can anybody do a marijuana commercial now can you do like oh i take cbd drops because you know uh, i've had knee surgery and i'm you know i got a lot of swelling and this helps with swelling or this helps with pain and i'd rather not pop percocets every day because that's not good for me whatever can guys do that now i I, i'm not i'm not positive i don't want to talk out of turn but I think if I had to guess, I would say that, you know, the NFL had maintained that threshold so that they can blanketly say, we do not allow people to smoke weed in the league. Although just by virtue of having one test a year, that's fairly predictable. And when it falls, and I know some people are going to be like, yo, you're giving them the game, man. I'm like, no, I'm not giving them the fucking game. They don't care what I'm (laughs) saying. They're literally the reason that test is in place. So they can say, you know, marijuana is not just like allowed in the NFL. Although it essentially, right. I mean, if guys are smart and responsible, and by the way, if you're a fan, every fan that wags their finger at a player gets arrested in a nightclub at three, four in the morning. Would you rather have them in that nightclub or at home asleep at three or four in the morning? Because <laughs> right. I can tell you what, by the end of my career, when you had access on the back half of my career to good weed and, you know, you knew, you, you knew the strain, you, you knew all that stuff. If you're responsible about it, I stopped going out after games. I'm like, right. there's nothing worse for your body than going out and getting wrecked at a club and then trying to get out there and heal after you took 70 plays. Like that was my healing. You know, it, I'm not a big, 
you know, I, I understand that people use it for pain relief, but I used it for sleep, relaxation, get rid of anxiety. And, you know, for me, in St. Louis, early in my career, any game you could have found me out till three in the morning, sometimes later. And still, I do that late in my career sometimes, but you pick your spots. You're older. You got to be smarter. For me, smart yeah, yeah. was sitting on the couch and, 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 and smoking a J or hitting my vaporizer, or, you know, or smoking my pen. Like, that's, that's smart. So fans that hate on players when they're irresponsible, the most responsible thing you can do is stay home. And most guys, and if they have an opportunity, you're going to stay home. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then now you have your podcast in your life after football, what people deem a career pivot, right? Yeah. Um, but who's who's been your favorite guest so far? George yeah. R. Martin, maybe? No. Nah, Thrones? <laughs> Obviously, until I go on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. it, it, it will be favorite. Mark. It will be Sanchez. But I got like so – Man, we've had a good run lately. Uh, some of them I just enjoy talking to so long. Like, like I don't think of it like this is my podcast. Is like I like talking to you. I could talk to you for a long time. Now, that's not to say I know you guys got a, a time limit, but sometimes I'll get these guests that I won't even expect will be not so today, baby. It's all you. It's all you. <laughs> I get these guests that I'm, I'm so, like I'm not sure what to think about this guest, etc. And then I'll get on the phone with them or on Zoom, and I'm like, I don't want to get off the call. I've had an astronomer recently from named Derek Pitts from from the Franklin Institute. When I first called him, I was like, I just want to talk about comets for 15 minutes. We're going to put that in a pod with something else. <laughs> Derek Pitts was so interesting. I couldn't get off the phone with him. I kept him for like 90, 90 minutes. Okay, I had Steve Kerr. Oh, wow. That was great. John Cruck was great. Um, you know, I've had obviously some, you know, Bruce Arians was a good get recently. Mm-hmm. I had Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine. I love that. And then one of my favorite Whoa. bands, uh, My Morning Jacket, uh, had two of those guys that I know anyways, but that's like a whole nother bit of nervous. I know Kyle did say you were a prankster. Uh, I've I've seen the packing peanuts in players' cars. That happened to me, actually. We did worse. We did worse. We did worse. We uh, It was James Laronitis. We filled it with packing peanuts, put it in the indoor, and we went to, a, we went to the store to get the packing peanuts. And they, uh, me and William Hayes again, we, we heard crickets and we were like, yo, what are those crickets? We asked the lady at the front. She was like, uh, it's bait. You know, like a, a bait store gets their crickets from here. I go, when's he coming by? So we traded him tickets for bait, which is illegal. No, you didn't. They'll probably take away my, you know, probably Reggie Bush me over that shit, but traded tickets. Tickets for crickets. Tickets for crickets. Then we filled James's car with the crickets and the packing peanuts. Oh, come bait. on. Yeah, you know, we went a little far. But James is a real Christian. Like, he didn't even wish ill on us. He just, he didn't even retaliate. Here's what happened, though. The crickets crawled in oh, the Oh, that's almost worse. The, car. <laughs> the crickets crawled in the in the innards of the car and died. And you never lose that. Oh, it probably car. smelled. He had to sell oh. his Audi because of us. Yeah, he had to sell Come it. On. Yeah. And then okay, the other- what about the Craigslist Amendola? Oh, the Craigslist. Come on, bro. That's so, this so was, messed this up. This is kind of a dick move, but like we used to play dick pranks on each other. Um, not dick pranks, dick pranks. Like the enunciation of how you say that. Got it. Is, is key. Yeah. Um, Danny Amendola is a fun guy, and we were going back and forth, and I just took it to another level. I listed his number on Craigslist in New York City. Um, and I said that he was looking for a Suzuki sidekick. You remember those cars? And he was practically giving this thing away. Was that like the the next generation of Suzuki Samurai? Or 
It's the little boxy car with the rag top and like it has the little like fuck Jerry looking thing on the side. Yes, like on the Dixie cup, like a Dixie cup. Yeah, like like what you have in an old like a paper cup that you had in your bathroom. (laughs) Uh, Not the plastic ones, but yeah. So like um, he got thousands of calls calling him about, hey, Mr. Amendola or we use a different name or maybe Dan, it was just Dan or D nice or something like that. And everybody was asking him about a Suzuki sidekick. Obviously he didn't have one. He took it pretty well. The bad plank we prank we played was in St. Louis, the DBs would come by and throw ice in our room. So obviously the only sensible thing to do, you know, to retaliate would be to tow all their cars in this big field as we went out to Seattle for a two day trip and then call a carpenter and have them build houses around their cars with no doors or garage doors or anything. And we put, we strung Christmas lights and we put mailboxes with their numbers on them and with big signs that like, <laughs> bill. So when they get cut back at two in the morning, please tell me home. this is real. Oh, it's real. You can ask one of them about it. They, they know they didn't fuck with us anymore. They had to go get like <laughs> construction crews to take down the houses. So, Oh my god! Yeah, it was awesome. I got to find a picture of it. It was the greatest prank we ever pulled. It was greatest. That is unbelievable. Yeah. Oh my god! I'm never getting in yeah. a prank war with you. No, I'm, well, I'm done. I retired, so I'm out. Okay, then I'm gonna. Then I'm coming after you. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you won't do that to me. Well, I retaliate still. That's in the bylaws. I can retaliate. Holy cow! Players opting out. Patriots had the most. Is there something I'm missing? Is there some sort of strategy? Because you talked about Hightower. I mean, without him, what what is what am I missing here? Or is this just happenstance in New England? I think it's a little bit of everything. I think there's two or three guys that opted out that would damn near make more money, you know, opting out. Yeah, I, I guess the 150. That is, I understand. If the money was close, yeah, then but whatever. Course, or you weren't going to make a roster. Of, there is the issue of next year they're going to try to get that money back. And good luck with that. I mean, is the NFL right. really going to force litigation for a few million dollars? Really, what was 69 players, round number of 69, have opted out. Multiply that by 150. I'm not going to do the math, but that's basically what they'll be trying to get back from guys. Now, not all of those guys have opted out voluntarily. There is the $350,000 designation, which like a Marcus Cannon, for instance, yeah, you know, is going to fall under where he's going to make his money. He's a cancer survivor, so... Um, I think in New England, there were a few guys that were like role players. There are guys that I'm sure are looking at it like, we don't know what the hell is going on here. Tom's gone. You know, for us to go through this Herculean effort of being a Patriot and sticking it out and that sort of thing. And maybe we're doing it for nine and seven season. Is it worth it? Like there's also high, just had a kid, you know, Dante Hightower. Yeah. So I don't know why it was everybody in New England. Maybe it's just that like, you know, playing football in frigid weather um, without Tom Brady is not so appealing. Um, but I also think Cam could turn out to be a really fruitful signing for them. So I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of it. And after playing with uh, Gronk and Brady uh, in New England, you tell me, you know, quickly, what do you think their chances are of, of yeah. playing well together. You think it takes a little bit and then they kind of hit their stride or you think just from day one, they come out gangbusters? Well, you could tell me this, but it, uh, even with the prolific nature of Bruce Arians kind of resume and Tom's individually, like it's a totally unknown commodity. 
uh, without an off season, you know, without OTAs, you know, uh, rookie mini camp, veteran man, not that Tom would be there for that stuff, but like, you know how important it is in the summer. And not only are you, it'd be one thing if they were doing this in the AFC South. Okay. I don't even know if that's a good, a good example anymore. Cause that division is pretty good. The NFL NFC North is quietly getting kind of like decimated, but the NFC South is not the place to not have an off season. You look at the continuity in Atlanta and, and New Orleans and the quarterbacks in that division. I mean, when Teddy's your yes. fourth best quarterback, that's still pretty damn good. And I you agree. know, the, the unknown of, you know, Joe Brady, um, how good they could be uh, right off the bat in Carolina. It's going to be a tough division. I also think another thing that's tough is, um, you know, it's Tampa. And I'm not being funny. I, I brought this back earlier with, it was Joey Bosa's comments about the most responsible team. What's the polar opposite of Foxborough? It's Tampa. I mean, in so many <laughs> ways. And yeah. you're talking about you're yeah. going to keep that team together and you're not going to have people hitting the streets in that city and it's a division stack with quarterbacks with no off season. If there was a totally clean slate off season, I might pick them to go to the Super Bowl because of that defense as much as anything in the weaponry and Tom's leadership. But this is a, this is a wild card for them. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Um, then you saw the Jamal Adams trade. Um, yeah. I know the jets, you know, they get their 2021, 2022 first round picks. 2021 third round pick and safety Brandon McDougald. Then the Seahawks get Jamal Adams and a 2022 fourth round pick. Who do you think won that trade? I think the Jets won because you 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 got rid of a player that clearly didn't want to be there anymore. Yeah. Uh you know, and yeah. whoever's right, you know, like I um I love Joe Douglas, okay? So I'm gonna make no bones about it. You might hear me say this and I'm sure that there's some legitimate gripes that Jamal had and I, and you want to get paid and that's, that's his right. And he got what he wanted. He got, he, he got out and that's, and I think Seattle is better for that trade. I think both teams can win. We always do this thing. It was like with the, the Oakland Chicago trade, everybody was shitting on Oakland for the longest. And they, even though you got a 10 out of 10 with Khalil Mack, I mean, you couldn't be better that didn't win you ball games. Um, you know, right. you still had to overcome, you know, Mitch and some of the offensive troubles and that sort of thing. So even if a team wins, sometimes they, they're not, they don't win. You know what I mean? And exactly. I, hate to, exactly. I, I don't want to get go viral. And I, you know what, I'm a little anyway. upset at myself for posing the question that way, because it's not always one or the other. Both no, 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 no. But, but no, I, I wouldn't even say that. I, I'm, I'm, my thing is like, I want to look at it from each side. My thing is the Jets got a lot of capital for a player who didn't want to be there anymore. And obviously, right. you know, as great, and he's otherworldly good. I mean, he's a rare talent. He's yeah, not going like to be a generational game. talent. Yeah. You know, yeah, I agree. I agree. He, he didn't win them games. Now, now here's the thing with that. I found the most interesting about that trade and also the drafting of Isaiah Simmons Find me a player, a non-quarterback in the NFL right now who garners more reactionary signings or draftings than George Kittle. Um, you know, the San Francisco 49ers, I think it was one, one somebody in their front office admitted, um, or no, Seattle admitted that Kittle was on their mind when they made the trade. I mean, obviously, he's going to do a lot more than that. You know, he's, he's right. a really good blitzer and, you know, ball hawk and that sort of thing, but... Um, 
you know, Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons was brought in. I mean, it was not, not a secret that a lot of that had to do with who you're going to see twice a year. So I think exactly. it's just so interesting to me that you can have a player who's so fucking good that teams, and this happens throughout football history, but it just goes to show you not only, you know, how good Jamal Adams is and all that stuff, but like George Kittle has really changed the landscape of what teams are trying to do in that division. It's a totally reactionary move. I agree. And they had to unload a lot of stuff to get it, but you got to win. Your and they've division. won without pass um, rush. They've won without pass rush, Mark. So yeah. like people keep talking about pass rush. Well, it's not like they've had it since the LOB days um, and they've competitive right, every year. True. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and then finishing up in the the NFC West, I mean, who do you have winning that division? Do the Niners take it? Can the Rams come back? I mean, you've played in that division. You know it well. Uh, what about the Cardinals? Is this just, you know, was it a flash in the pan, a little bit of their success last year? Do they yeah. go on a run? Is Kyler Murray the guy? You know, break down the NFC West. Yeah, I'm, I'm – um... whew. This is, I don't want this to make news because it's not like I'm hating on the Rams, but I think it's going to be a tough year. I really do. Um, it's going to be a tough year. They've, they've kind of put themselves in some tough situations that we we well know. I, I think that Kyler is such a wild card because it depends on what part of the year and who you ask. And I don't know, you're the quarterback, but he seems like a guy. He's a tough one for me. Yeah. I know it's it's tough because there is this like street ball kind of vibe that you get from some of this from some of their offense and it's either it reminds me a lot of what we did with chip kelly and it was either feast or famine like you're hauling ass down the field you score points quick and the defense is stoked even though they got to go out on the field right away they don't get a break but yeah. you go three and out a couple times and they got to go on out on the field again there's like almost fights breaking out on the sidelines yeah. like dude yeah. can you guys just at least burn some clock and um oh, so i don't know I if some of that's just rookie struggles or it's just they got to figure this thing out without an offseason now this second year around. I don't know. That's tough for me to, like, hang my hat and say, yeah, dude, the Arizona Cardinals are going to win the division. That's, I yeah, can't that's say that. why I, the sexy pick, if you had to pick some, like, wild card to win the division out of four teams, it'd be the Cardinals. I think most people would say, like, that's your dark horse. I think in a weird right. way because the, the Cardinals' ceiling is more unknown than the Rams because we know the Rams' ceiling, and then we also know, like, where they've kind of fallen to a little bit. I, I feel like the Cardinals have a better chance to maybe win that division. But, and another thing is the Cardinals played, um, I want to say they played San Francisco and Seattle tough last year. Um, they mm -hmm. stole at least one game out of those, you know, th those four mm -hmm. and then played them close a lot of other. In fact, they I think they kicked this, the Seahawks' asses late in the year. I, yeah. I'm not going to bet against Russ. I'm just not. Um, I, I know. I have a hard time doing that too. I'm not going to do it. I, and I love Jimmy G, um, but I also think it's really hard to get back off the the ground after you lose a Super Bowl. Just from, you know, if history has anything to say about it, it's going to be a challenge. And I thought that San Francisco, so many things went right for them last year. Um, I think Seattle is a team that is not afraid of San Francisco. In fact, I think it's, I don't want to say San Francisco is afraid because I hate throwing that fear thing around, but they respect I know Seattle. What you mean. And they know that Seattle no, no. is going to be a long day. And Seattle should have beat San Francisco late in the year. They had another goal line mishap. Yep. I look at it like Seattle's the team to beat because they've been here the longest. Now, San Francisco's scary. That roster's very good. But I like Seattle um, if, I had to, if I had to pick. I like that assessment. I always forget to do good sign-offs because I suck at it. Uh, but, oh, we got last two <laughs> questions. Works. 
I'm the dude, worst. I suck I'm like, at that. I'm the, like, the, I'm, the producer's I'm like, like, hey, it's this handle, it's this, this, and this. And I'm like, oh, okay, thanks. And he's like, no, you have to say that. Yeah, no, no, no. It's Sorry. like, it's like, okay, I just had Mark Sanchez, who is a man and um, <laughs> a football man and has, tell me about your podcast. And then you cut them <laughs> off at the end and just side off. Yeah, that's how I do it. <laughs> um, okay, last two quick questions. How mad are you about TikTok being canceled? Don't give a fuck. Tell me. Don't give a fuck. (laughs) I don't even understand TikTok. I downloaded it one day because I was bored in the pandemic and I was going to make this real cool um, TikTok because I ordered this big bubble thing. You know, these big bubbles that you like, they're big inflatable bubbles and you like bounce. You're like people run into each other. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. If I knew how to make a TikTok, I'd be famous right now because I have the bubble in my basement. I was going to have my wife like feeding me cornflakes and I'm just going to fall down the and it was going to like go from frame to frame of me doing all types of things with my family in this bubble. But the time is passed. I like it. Yeah. yeah. Fuck TikTok. Okay. That's good. Um, then what about, um, what's this thing about mermaids? Oh, mermaids? Well, William Hayes, um, who's one of my best buddies who has popped up a few times here, but he legitimately believes in mermaids. But there's a catch. He doesn't believe in dinosaurs. He does not think, he thinks that and by the way, you should have seen him on my last trip to to Tanzania with Miles Garrett arguing about dinosaurs because fucking Miles is like a legit paleontologist nerd. So like, <laughs> and, and Will and Will is just like, nah, man, the, the government put them shits in the ground, bro. The government put the, you know, like he he really is a dinosaur conspiracy theorist. And you ask him they why put him in the ground all over the world. Like, yeah, so it's this global <laughs> conspiracy. So that we have museums, like, are museums moving the needle that much, yeah. like, or, or what? That's it. Um, yeah. But I will say this about TikTok, Mark. Do you ever wonder, all these people on Instagram, if you ever step back, you're just perusing somebody's page, these influencers, and we've all treaded into these waters before. Do you ever wonder who the fuck is holding the camera and how tired of the other person they are? Like, anytime somebody... Puts a video on Instagram. Don't you wonder what they had to say to that other person to get them to hold the phone? Hey, let me. Hey, will you hold the phone while I do this stupid fucking thing and look like a total <laughs> narcissist? Do they? I wonder if they're paying them. And also, um, along that thread is, do you know who Tank Sinatra is on Instagram? Yeah, yeah. Have you seen his influencers in the wild where he exposes? Yeah, I love influencers in the wild. Oh man, that is unbelievable. Seeing people like rip their shirts open and like stop traffic to do some like leg kick, boomerang. I'm like, I almost oh respect my God. those people more because they're presumably not famous. But like when the, when I see the people with hundreds of, th- and I know that's how they got the followers by doing this and yeah. engaging in this activity. Of course. But really think about what you're posting is my thing. Is like, just think about what you just said and how it sounded and like all the facial expressions you're making. And like, it's just when you really boil it down, it's like, holy shit, we live in a really weird society. Really weird. <laughs> I totally agree. Um, so okay. Well, subscribe, like, comment, share for Chris Long, his IG, La Flama Blanca 95, Twitter at Joel91, the number nine, O-N-E. That's a tough one foundations chris long foundation.org and waterboys.org podcast green light podcast i'm on fire 
Fourth and Forever, Instagram at Fourth and Forever, and YouTube.com slash Fourth and Forever. Whew. That's like a masterful two minute drill to end the game. Dude, that's hard. I'm exhausted. Instagram at Fourth and Forever, YouTube.com backslash Fourth and Forever. Like, share, comment, and don't forget to smash that subscribe button. Hook smash! Oh, hook smash. All right.